Early in the morning of November the 11th, 1918, soldiers on the front lines began to learn that a ceasefire had been signed and that the First World War would be ending in mere hours, but that fighting would continue until 11 o'clock. The last Canadian soldier to die in that war was a maritimer named George Price, who was killed only two minutes before the guns went silent. You're listening to Backyard History, the hidden stories that happen in your own backyard, the podcast version of the weekly history column running in newspapers across the Maritimes with your host and author, Andrew McClan. On November 8th, the Germans had signaled their willingness to sign an armistice, which means a peace treaty, with the Allies to end what was then called the Great War. Their country was in disarray. There were open revolts in the streets. The government that had led them through the war had resigned. Their Kaiser, or King, had abdicated, and a new government had taken its place. Allied leadership aware of the Germans' precarious situation, were drawing out the war to better position themselves for the negotiated peace that would follow. In the previous hundred days, Canadians had played a disproportionate role in putting the Germans in a position where they were willing to sign a peace agreement. By the later part of 1918, the war was very different from the image that we have of an unmoving trench warfare. Also, by 1918, the Canadians were very different. No longer did they fight in isolated units divided among British armies like early in the war. Now they were working together as the 100,000 strong Canadian Corps. The Allied High Command had been planning for the war to drag on for a whole other year and had been putting many resources into planning a massive offensive for the spring of 1919. But all of that changed with the campaign that became known as Canada's 100 Days. The Canadian Corps had built up a fearsome reputation as elite shock troops. And indeed, British Prime Minister David Lloyd George would write in his memoirs, whenever the Germans found the Canadian Corps coming into the line, they prepared for the worst. Allied High Command went to great lengths to hide the Canadians' movements, secretly marching them into the ongoing Battle of Amiens. In their first day in the battle, the Canadians dramatically broke through German lines, pushing through a remarkable 13 kilometers in a single day. Soon after, the Canadian Corps was pulled out of the battle and then moved to another strong point on the German lines, the seemingly invincible Hindenburg Line, In that location, at the Battle of Arras, they once again inflicted a crushing victory, breaking through the German lines again. Once again, the Canadians were moved, and at Camembert, again broke through the Hindenburg Line, which was once thought invincible. German morale, both among troops and the civilian population back home, began a precipitous collapse, and it became apparent to all that an armistice could be signed within weeks, rather than within a year. In the meantime, though, the Canadians continued to be pulled out and moved to different regions, where they 
consistently, quickly achieved devastating blows. These victories, however, did not come without a cost. And that cost was terribly high. The Canadians suffered a staggering 45,835 dead, wounded, or missing during Canada's 100 days. Just one of these casualties was George Price. On September 10th, George Price had been struck by gas from a German artillery shell. At that point in the war, gas was heavily used with up to 40% of the shells that were fired by both sides containing poison gas. It was actually said that the Canadians were gassed every single day during Canada's 100 days campaign. Both Germans and Canadians alike relied on gas attacks, which was actually a major part of the Canadian Corps' arsenal by that point in the war. After being wounded, George Price spent 19 days in hospital, and afterwards was allowed to go on leave for several weeks to recuperate. But he recovered, and he returned to his unit on October 19th, only three weeks before the war ended. George had been born and raised in Falmouth, in Kings County, in Nova Scotia. He was the son of James and Anne Price. Like many Maritimers, he would move out west for work, finding a job on a farm in Saskatchewan. Only a few weeks before Christmas in 1917, the brown-haired, brown-eyed 24-year-old would join the Canadian Army. After a brief training period, he was fairly quickly sent overseas in early February when he joined the front lines in France. At 6 a.m. on November the 11th, 1918, representatives from Germany and the Allies signed an agreement to stop the war that was called the Armistice. It was to take effect that day at 11 a.m. Word was slow about this news getting to the front lines, and different countries reacted to the news differently. At a little after 9 a.m., the British began telling their troops about the upcoming peace agreement. British troops, and Canadians at that time were part of the British forces, were under strict orders not to put themselves in harm's way. There had already been enough lives lost. In stark contrast, however, the French, who had suffered greatly in this war on their own soil, launched a series of last-minute, vengeful counterattacks on the German positions. The German troops, meanwhile, exhausted and facing an uncertain future in which they might potentially end up fighting their own fellow countrymen in the revolution sweeping the streets of their own home cities, grimly waited until 11 o'clock. Meanwhile, at 4 a.m. that very morning, only two hours before the armistice was signed, Canada's 2nd Division, 6th Infantry Brigade, had been selected to launch an attack on German positions in Belgium. The 28th Battalion, known as the Norwesters, received orders to push up to the village of Harvre and seize some bridges at a small town called Ville-sur-Hain. Among the Canadian soldiers in the Norwesters was a young maritimer named George Lawrence Price. At around 9 a.m. on November the 11th, a messenger caught up to George Price and four fellow Norwesters 
just as they'd reached an old stone bridge near Vilsur Hain, just right across the river from the village. The messenger brought them news that must have seemed incredible. The war would be ending in two hours. In those final hours of the war, confusion reigned. How soldiers reacted often depended on the whims of their commanders. In some areas, they simply quietly waited. Often, however, they began to dispose of all of their ammunition and artillery shells by firing wildly and blindly in their enemy's direction. The front was a chaotic uproar of concentrated gunfire and explosions from shells flying all over the place in those final hours before the war ended. George Price and the four other Norwesters that were with him were right in the middle of this. For the last two hours of the war, those five Norwesters had been instructed by the messenger to stay where they were and to stay out of danger until it was over. The problem was though, that they were specifically right then sitting on the dangerously exposed bank of the river in plain view of the other side where Germans remained while these shells were firing all the time, just falling about them madly. Meanwhile, one of those five Norwesters noticed that some bricks had been knocked out of the walls of the houses on the other side of the river. They had been warned that there was a German heavy machine gun nest in the village. Those missing bricks could mean German snipers. The five Canadian soldiers decided on their own initiative to cross the bridge into town. Once they crossed the bridge, all seemed quiet as they carefully crept from house to house. But then they spotted German soldiers with a heavy machine gun by the river. The Canadians began shooting at the Germans who returned fire with their machine gun. Aware that they were discovered and would soon be surrounded, the Germans began to flee. George Price spotted a flash of gray, the color of German uniforms disappearing into one house. He ran through the open back door into the house after the German soldier. Inside the home was a scared Belgian family, indicated to George that the German soldier had fled through the open front door of the house. George ran towards the door. The Belgian family screamed at him to stop, but it was too late. As soon as George ran out the front door onto the street, a single gunshot rang out. From the house across the street, a young Belgian woman watched in horror as a Canadian soldier crumpled to the ground. The young woman was a nurse and she risked her life by running out onto the street to help the fallen Canadian. The Belgian family also rushed out of the house, also risking their lives. And with the young woman's help, they dragged the wounded Canadian into the house. The nurse and the family tried to do what they could to help George but it was already too late. He'd been shot right through the heart. George Price died at the age of 25 on the floor of a strange house on a continent far away from home, surrounded by strangers speaking a language he could not understand. It was 10.58 a.m. Two minutes later, the guns went silent in Europe for the first time in four years. 
George Price was the last Commonwealth soldier to die in the First World War. As the four surviving Norwesters picked up George Price's body to bring it across the river, a tiny velvet flower fell out of his pocket. The flower was that of a maple tree, and it was stained with George Price's blood. The four Nor'westers would later return to Ville-sur-Hain to place a plaque commemorating George Price on the house in which he died. George Price was only one of 59,544 Canadians to die in that war. He was a single man who had no children. Over time, his parents passed away, and later his siblings. The passing of time leads to many of these young people who died far too young to be forgotten, as is the case with many Canadians and the veterans of these past wars. Over time, the city of Harve changed too. Over the years, the stone bridge that George had crossed was torn down, the canal he had crouched on was widened, and the house he died in was demolished. A walking bridge was built across Harve's Canal in 1991. It was announced the name of the bridge would be decided by the citizens of the town in a referendum. 73 years after the young Canadian died so far from home, the public of that foreign land he had fought in voted to name their bridge the George Price Memorial Bridge because George Price had not been forgotten by the people of Harve. If you were to walk through Harve today, you could walk from the George Price Memorial Bridge, you could walk down George Price Street, and you could eventually come to George Price Elementary School. Inside the school, you can find a glass case. Inside the glass case, you can find the flower of a maple tree made out of velvet and stained with blood. The words beneath it read, At the ultimate moment when peace was signed, you fell for us, the last victim of a sad conflict. Thank you, George Price. That was Backyard History with your host, Andrew McLean. Thank you for listening and tune in next week for another hidden story that happened in your own backyard.